Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. Thank you once again for being here this morning. We are so glad that you are here. And I want to say just a moment, if you are one of our guests this morning, thank you for being here. I also want you to know if at any point you have a question and Brother Blake and I can answer that for you or any of our staff, please let us know. We would be happy to talk with you about your relationship with Christ and also about Greensburg Baptist Church and all of our ministries here. I also want to say a special welcome this morning to our radio audience and all of those who are joining us by technology this morning. If you are one of the people that are joining us by technology, as the broadcast ends, you will either see or hear instructions of exactly how to contact us if you have questions regarding your relationship with Christ. This morning, I'm going to be uh, beginning a new sermon series that is called Invisible God. And I want to tell you just a little bit about how this came about. About three months ago, as I was right in the middle of the Lord Teaches to Pray sermon series, one morning during my quiet time, the Lord spoke to me and said, when you finish that sermon series, you're going to start another one. And at that point, I really felt like that the focus of the new series would likely be tithing. And as I began to do some initial research and legwork for the series, I thought that it was moving from tithing to just the overall area of giving. Because I think most of us, if we are serious givers, we realize it's it's about way more than money. It really is what God wants from us, what Jesus wants from us. It's about way more than your pocketbook. And then I got really excited for the ones of you that are in our Wednesday night small group study. You know that we spent two Wednesday nights recently on the chapter of stewardship. And I thought, isn't that amazing how the Lord can orchestrate all of our schedules? Because we started this small group study back in August. And I was thinking, isn't it not amazing that by the time that this new sermon series is going to kick off, we just happen to be in that same place in that book. And I want to say one thing about this Wednesday night study. If you are not serving in one of our other ministries here on Wednesday nights at Greensburg Baptist Church, we need you as a part of this study. This is a very serious study. And I can promise you this. If you will come to this study, if you will read the material, if you will seek the Lord, He will transform your life through this book study. So again, if you are not serving somewhere else here on Wednesday night, we need you. 6 p.m. downstairs in room 204. But with all of that said, guess what? The overall theme of this new series is not giving either. It is not giving either. And about this time, you're probably wondering, so where's he going with this? And that would be a very legitimate question. I'm going to put a list of activities on the screen for you right now. And as you can see, there are a wide variety of activities listed there. School, band, ball games, family, fun, appointments, church, Jesus, orchestra, and work. Now, I realize that this is not the exact list for any of you. But what I want you to realize is that you've all got a list. Each and every one of you has a list. And I wonder, do you ever find yourself at the point where you feel like your life's a juggling act? 
where you are trying so hard to do everything that you've committed yourself to and you realize you just can't do it anymore. We've got to the place where we're, we're going to have to drop something. I want you to hold that thought for just a minute. We're going to talk about a little bit later on what it's likely that we drop. But I want you to be thinking about that this morning. What is it that you drop on your list? What is it? This morning I'm going to be in Colossians chapter 1 and I'm going to be looking at verses 15 through 20. Now for the first time in my preaching ministry this morning, I am going to be preaching from the CSB version of the Bible. And I want to say one thing about that this morning. If you have found yourself at the point where you'd like to buy a new Bible, maybe you would like to buy a Bible that's maybe a little bit easier to read and understand. Or maybe since we have just approach the beginning of the year. You are one of the people who has made the commitment that I am going to read through the Bible this year. And I hope you have. I hope you have made that commitment. But if you find that maybe I need a version of the Bible that's a little bit easier to read and understand, I'd, I'd invite you just to take a look at the CSB. You can go in almost any book, Christian bookstore and they will let you see a copy of that. Look at some of the scriptures that you know in your translation and see how it reads in the CSB. What I have found, and I think Brother Blake would tell you the exact same thing, we have found that it's easy to read and it does a good job maintaining the integrity of the text. So anyway, check out the CSB if you're looking for a new Bible. All right, I am going to be reading to you this morning, but as as I usually ask you to do, if you are physically able to stand, would you stand with me this morning just to honor the reading of God's Word? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things. And by him, all things hold together. Verse 18. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You may be seated. Now, before we dig into each of these verses this morning, I want to share with you some important background information on the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians is possibly, possibly the first of Paul's prison epistles. That's right, prison epistles. Paul found himself... In prison. And as I begin to share this background information with you this morning, I want you to begin framing in your mind what type of person this man named Paul might have been. If you found yourself in prison, would you be writing a letter? Or would it be, woe is me? Now, Paul was writing this letter to the church at Colossae, but it was not founded by him. It was not founded by him. Nor had he visited there. But he still used his time to write a letter to these people. For what reason? He had heard 
that this was a group of believers who were, were growing spiritually. But guess what else was happening? They were being subjected to false teaching which undermined the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. You see, they were hearing stuff like, it's Jesus plus somebody. It's maybe Jesus plus the law. Jesus plus works. That is not it, folks. Even today, if you hear somebody preach that salvation is based on Jesus plus something, you're hearing a false teaching, a false gospel Our salvation is not based on Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus, only Jesus. So again, I want you to be framing in your mind, who is this man, Paul? What must he have been like? He is writing this letter from prison to people who he has never met before for the purpose of encouraging them because he knew they were growing in their faith and they were being subjected to false teaching. Now, just a little profile on the city of Colossae. It's located 100 miles east of Ephesus. And it's a part of what we now know as south-central Turkey. It had once been an important city. But by the time of Paul, it had become a small market town. Now, again, remember, Paul, from his prison cell, is writing this letter to people he has never met before to encourage them, and they're not located in a place that the world considers important. Instead, they're located in a small market town. I wonder this morning, are you allowing the Lord to use you while you find yourself located in a small town? While you find yourself located in a place that many people throughout the world would not even consider important? They might ask you, where is Greensburg? I've never heard of that. Never minimize that for right now at least, that's exactly where he has planted you. What are you doing to honor him with your life? Are you writing a letter to encourage anybody? Are you reaching out to encourage them? Remember, Paul's doing this from prison. Okay, Colossae was also a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. And that's important to keep in mind when you consider the false teaching, especially that was going on there. Now I want to spend just a few moments and dig into these verses one by one. Verse 15 starts with the word he. And just so we are not confused on that, we are talking about Jesus Christ in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. The invisible God. Now I want to stop just a moment and ask a question. Do you ever live your life in such a way that since you know your eyes cannot physically see God, do you live your life in such a way that maybe He can't see you either? It reminds me of when children are growing up. This happened with all three of our children. About the time they learned to crawl, maybe learn to waddle, to walk. They could be down in the middle of the floor. And if they covered their head up with their blanket, with whatever, and they couldn't see us, they thought that we couldn't see them either. And, of course, we played along with it. Where is Eli? Does anybody know where he is? Does anybody know where Isaac is? Have you seen him? Has anybody seen Kaylee? 
We went along with it. They thought that because their eyes couldn't see us, that we couldn't see them either, even though they were right in front of our faces. I want you to know this morning, God doesn't play along with that. God does not play along with that game. Rest assured, He sees you. Rest assured, He knows where you are. Rest assured, He hears the conversations that you're having. Rest assured that if you entertain sin in your life, He is not pleased with you. And He certainly has not orchestrated it. He is the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by Him. Where? What types of things are we talking about? Those things in heaven. That's right. Everything, Parker. Those things on earth. Those things that we can see. And those things that are invisible. That we cannot see. Whether they're important things that our mind would process. Like thrones. Or dominions. Or rulers. Or authorities. Again, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things. And by Him, all things hold together. That's exactly right. I like you participating. I I hope you will continue and the rest of you too. It makes it so much easier. But can you see how important that Jesus Christ is? He is so very important. Verse 18. He, again referring to Jesus, is also the head of the body. The church. And I want to stop right there for just a minute. Because if many of you have had private conversations with either me or Brother Blake, we have addressed it from the pulpit. Both of us have. And if you were here a few weeks ago where the Sunday morning message was us sitting in chairs up here sharing our story. We were very intentional to tell you this. But I want to tell you again. If you ever wonder who is in charge here, it's not me. It's not Brother Blake. It is not any of the deacons. It is not the trustees. It's not the staff. It's no Sunday school teacher. It is no committee. Folks, it's Jesus only. Jesus, that is who is in charge here. And it's scriptural. It's not just something that we think would be a good idea. Scripture dictates that. Jesus is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead. So why does all of this, any of this even matter? Why does any of this even matter? So that he might come to have first place in everything. Now I wonder this morning, you know, I, I was talking at the beginning when I put the image up on the screen of all of the activities that you might be involved in. And I ask you where Jesus fits in that particular list of activities. What place is Jesus in your life? 
And before, I know it's really tempting to answer, Jesus is first place in my life. Is he really? Folks, is he really first place in your life? What if I were to give an anonymous survey to the people in your life that are the very closest to you? It is a one-question survey. And it's a yes or no answer. Based upon your observation of this individual, does Jesus have first place in their life? Yes or no? Amen. Amen. Does He have first place in your life? How would those people answer? Folks, He either has first place or He doesn't. It's either all or nothing. He's either Lord of all in your life or He's not Lord at all in your life. Hear me loud and clear. When you are thinking about what order your activities go in, and you're thinking about what place Jesus is in in your life. Folks, Jesus is not satisfied with being first runner-up. He is not satisfied with being first runner-up. He wants first place. And as we find ourselves in that juggling act, trying to keep everything up in the air, but we've got to the point where we realize we're overcommitted, we're going to have to drop something. Most of the time, what we drop is Jesus. Most of the time, what we drop is Jesus. And I know there's probably some people hearing my voice right now that said, or thinking, Brother Todd, I don't agree with you. Maybe what I would drop is church, but it doesn't affect my relationship with Jesus. Has anybody ever had a conversation like that with somebody? Why aren't you in church? Well, you realize I don't have to go to church to worship Jesus. I hear that all the time as I'm inviting people to church. Well, first of all, unless you have some very valid reason, and I'd just rather not to go today is not one of them. You're skating on thin ice. If you're trying to justify the reason not being in church is because you can stay at home and worship Jesus. That speaks volumes as to whether you truly have a relationship with Christ or not. If you are trying to make that argument. You know, most of you realize I'm a married man. What if I tried to argue with you? You know, I don't have to go home to be married. Maybe I don't, but you know, it's sure a good idea that I do. (laughs) It is. It's a good idea that I go home if I'm going to be married. And I want you to know it's a good idea that you come to church if you call yourself a Christian. You are expected to be here unless there is a good reason not to be. Does Jesus have first place in everything? In everything in your life? Amen. Amen. Verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I wonder this morning, have you experienced his peace? If you have, let me be quite 
um, bold this morning and tell you it's only through the blood of Jesus if you truly experience peace in your life. It is because Jesus cared enough about you to give his life for you on the cross. His blood either covers you or it does not cover you. There is no in between. I wonder which is it for you this morning? Which is it for you? Before I uh, jump to the next slide, I want to just pose a question to you. Now, first of all, do not misunderstand what I'm getting ready to discuss. So I need you to listen closely to me this morning. I want you to hear that we are thankful that you are here this morning. We are thankful for the ones of you that are here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday after Wednesday. Sunday night after Sunday night. But have you ever stopped to wonder that possibly it's not the Lord's will for this church for us just to hover around an average attendance of 200 to 220 on Sunday morning? Have you ever stopped to think about that? What if that's not the Lord's will? What if it's the Lord's will that we double or triple that attendance? On Sunday morning. Now remember we always say. Nothing's impossible with God. Do we believe it? Or do we not believe it? Do we believe that he can do all things? Or do we not believe that he. Well he can do all things. But now he cannot bring 600 people here on Sunday morning. Do we believe that? Is that how we live our faith? What if it was his will? For Sunday morning attendance to look drastically different than it does now. Can you begin to see that some things would have to change? We would have to have more than one service. Somebody would probably get your parking place. Somebody would probably sit in your seat. Are we willing, seriously now, are we willing to put our personal preferences aside? For the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are we willing to put our personal preferences aside for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Amen. I am glad you are here this morning, Parker. I am so glad you're here. Many of you have heard me reference from the pulpit before. Back, I guess it was around May of this year, as people were talking about the annual meeting was coming up of the Southern Baptist Convention. This name... Uh, began to be discussed a lot that I, I was not familiar with the person. His name is J.D. Greer. And then I noticed they were talking about him a lot, and it became really apparent that he was going to be one of the front runners for president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And so with me not knowing anything about him, I just felt like it was my responsibility as a Southern Baptist pastor to investigate this man. What type of stuff is he preaching? Is he preaching sound doctrine? If he's going to be the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, he sure needs to preach sound doctrine. And so I began to investigate the man. And just so you'll know, I have listened to every sermon that man has preached since that time up through now. And I'm happy to report that man preaches and teaches the gospel. He also served for a number of years, he and his wife, as International Mission Board missionaries. And so when they were called off of the international mission field, they went to this church called the Summit Church in North Carolina. And guess what? When they went there, 
It was about this number of people that are here this morning. About this number of people. That's not what it's like today. They now have thousands of members that gather every Sunday morning over multiple campuses. And when you listen to that man talk about how God moved in that place, he starts referencing uh, first-generation thinkers and doers versus second-generation thinkers and doers. And I want to talk about some of that this morning. Now, I will tell you when I think about first-generation Christians. My mind immediately goes to the calling of the first disciples. Because, you see, what happened with those men, they were going about their normal daily business. And they had an encounter with this man named Jesus Christ. And he issued a command to them. And it sounded something like this. Come, follow me. And they did exactly what he said. You know, I do not believe they stopped and performed a cost-benefit analysis to see if they could afford to do it. I do not believe that they started talking with everybody. Do you think I can do this or not? I think it was immediate obedience to this man named Jesus Christ. And I wonder, is that how we respond? When Jesus asks us to do something, do we immediately say, yes, I'll do it, or do we immediately make the list of all the reasons it does not make sense to do it? Or all the reasons I can't do it. You know, you can't do it by yourself. You can do all things through Him who gives you strength. And then I want to move for just a moment. Do you realize that there were a group of people sitting in these same pews before you this morning? Guess what? Our average attendance has not always been 200 plus. There were a number of years where it was greatly smaller than that number. Those people had to make some sacrifices for the sake of Jesus Christ. And I wonder, will we do the same thing? Will we do the same thing? Now, I want to put some some, uh, charts on the board for you right now. These are directly uh, from J.D. Greer, where he's explaining some differences between first-generation thinkers and second-generation thinkers. First-generation They do whatever it takes. They do whatever it takes. Where the second generation does only what they're asked to do. Only what they are asked to do. The first generation assumes personal responsibility. While the second generation assumes that somebody else is going to do it. When the first generation sees a problem, guess what they do? They seek a solution. They seek a solution. Second generation, they see a problem, they complain about it. They complain about it. Can you believe they did that? Can you believe that Blake and Todd made that decision? They should have had more sense than that. Never forget, folks, that somebody that will complain to you will also complain about you. Never forget that. If people will complain to you, they will complain about you. It's just a matter of time. First generation sees possibilities, and then they dream about what could be. While the second generation sees barriers and reasons to quit. First generation hears the voice of God firsthand and then owns the vision. While the second generation inherits the vision secondhand, and then they question every decision. The first generation steps out with bold trust in God. While the second generation sits satisfied, In the stability of the institution, of the church. 
first generation feels privileged to be a part of the movement. While the second generation feels entitled to the benefits of the institution, the church. So I want to ask you two questions, and you probably already know what I'm going to ask. Which of these two categories do you personally fit in? First generation or second generation? And then second question is, where do you believe this church fits? First generation or second generation? Because I'm going to tell you, if the answer is second generation, this church will not grow. We will sit comfortably with what we have right now. That's exactly what will happen. If this church is to grow, we have to be first-generation thinkers. And we have to be first-generation doers. And I wonder, which are you? Now, as I move towards closing this morning, I'm not quite there yet, so don't get excited. I need you to stay with me. But I'm going to be asking you some questions that specifically relate to verse 18. Whether or not he has first place in everything. I want to ask you the first question is, does he have first place in your time? Does he have first place in your time? And that's a yes or no answer. I hope you can say just as honestly as Parker just said, yes, he has first place in my time. But folks, he either does or he doesn't. Something does have first place in your time. Is it Jesus or is it something else? And then I wonder, does he have first place in your finances? And again, the answer is either yes or no. Does he have first place in your finances? For the ones of you that don't know, I spent an awfully long time, almost 29 years in the banking industry. And I will tell you something. You could give me a checkbook and give me 15 minutes or less with it. And I can quickly make a determination as to whether or not Jesus has first place in your finances. Quickly make that determination. Now, I want to tell you something. I have absolutely no idea what any of you give, nor do I want to know. I do not know and I do not want to know what anybody individually gives. And Brother Blake would say the exact same thing. But guess who does know what you give? Jesus And, you know, I've heard some people tell me, you know, Brother Todd, I would love, I would love to be able to give sacrificially, but I just can't. I have too many obligations. I have too many bills. Hear me loud and clear. I want to be sure you hear me say this. You cannot afford not to. You cannot afford not to. It is not possible to outgive God. It is simply not possible to outgive him. I have also heard some people tell me over the last 20 years or so, what if I did it like this? What if I pay all my bills every month? So I'm not late on anything. I pay all my bills, all my obligations. And then whatever's just left over, I'll give to the Lord. If you've ever entertained that thought process, I want you to hear me loud and clear. There is absolutely nothing about that thought process that honors the Lord. When you want Him to bless you, do you want Him to bless you first? Or after everybody else has received their blessing? Now, I want to give you just an analogy. Two weeks ago today, 
Brother Blake and I, along with our families, hosted a meal for any senior adult here that wanted to come. The only thing that you had to do was sign up for it. And we talked about that for six weeks prior. We talked about it for six weeks. And if you came to that, I think you would agree there was quite a deal of preparation that happened in order for that meal to take place. But here's what I want to ask you this morning. How would it have gone over if after we had talked about that and invited people for six weeks to come to this meal, what would it have been like if that group of senior adults had got down there to the fellowship hall and we had served them leftovers? How would that have been? Now, they would have probably been gracious, but I would have had nothing to do with it. And neither would Brother Blake and his family have had anything to do with that. Folks, I'm going to tell you, if I invite you to my home for a meal, you are not going to eat leftovers. You're not. Not if I've invited you in my home. So why would we want that to represent our giving to Jesus? What's left over? There is nothing about that that honors Him. And then as we've just sort of prepared to close this morning, I wonder what place does He really have in your life? And I want to end this morning just with an analogy that I've heard recently. I want you to listen up. It's very important that you don't miss this this morning. It's about a little girl. And she was out in a field. It was this time of year. It was this exact time of year. A little girl was out in a field. And she was watching a lamb eat. And while she was watching that lamb eat, she thought that lamb was the brightest white thing that she had ever seen in her entire life. It was standing on grass that looks about like our grass does right now. doesn't look like it does in the springtime. It's a dead brown color right now. That's what the grass looked like. And while she was standing in that field, admiring that lamb and thinking about how pure white that lamb was, it started to snow. And it was one of those wet snows, huge flakes. And in just a matter of minutes, it had completely covered the ground. And then she looked back at the lamb again. And that lamb, which technically just two or three minutes before, she had thought was the whitest thing she'd ever seen. Now when she looked at that lamb, it's dingy and it looks dirty. It's the same lamb. Just two or three minutes have passed. But you see, the thing that did change was the background. The background changed. She is now comparing it to white snow. And in, in the comparison to the white snow, the lamb looks dirty. And you know, that's exactly what we do many times when we try to compare our lives to the world. In that moment, we look pretty good. We look pretty good because most time we don't have to look very far to see somebody who is doing something worse than we are. We don't have to look very far. And somehow in our twisted minds, we think we must be okay because they're doing something worse than we are. I want you to know if you have got any sin in your life, it doesn't honor Jesus. We only can compare ourselves to Jesus. And when we do that, in that moment, we begin to see how filthy that we really are. We, and we see our need of Him. I wonder this morning, do you know Him today?
And again, the answer is just yes or no. Does he have first place in your life? Does he have first place in your time? Does he have first place in your finances? Remember again, he is not satisfied with first runner up. He's not. I want you to know he desires to be first place in your life today. Maybe you're here and you realize he hadn't been first place in your life. That's you. Today's the day to make the commitment that from this point forward, it's going to be different. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Not we might serve the Lord or we might if it's convenient for us. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've realized that you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want you to know this morning that today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Do not put it off. People die daily. I'm going to a funeral right after this today. As soon as I leave here, I'm driving to Edmonton to a funeral to someone that nobody expected to die. But we're having her funeral this afternoon. One day it will be you. One day it will be me. I wonder, are you ready? My fear so many times, and I'm telling you, I've shared it before. I wake up in the middle of the night worried about this. I am so afraid that many people, even many people that come to church every Sunday, when they stand face to face with Jesus, I am terrified that the answer that many people are going to get is depart from me. I have never known you. I pray that that's not your answer. But you already know what the answer is going to be. You already know what the answer is going to be. If you have any need whatsoever this morning, the invitation is just exactly like Jesus gave those initial disciples. Jesus says, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the day that you've given us. Lord, I thank you for this scripture that you've allowed me to preach through this morning. Father, I pray right now that you are moving throughout this sanctuary. I pray that you are convicting hearts and that you are convicting lives. And Lord, I pray that you will move and you will move in a mighty way. I pray that we will see people saved and set free today. Lord, I pray that we will see surrender occur throughout this sanctuary this morning. Lord, as always, I pray that you and you alone will receive the praise, honor, and glory for it all. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. If you have a need this morning, please please stand. If you have a need this morning, know that I would love to pray with you. Brother Blake will be here. He would love to pray with you. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.